right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Vaughn, are you seeing any snow in Victoria at all? No, it never snows in Victoria. You always say um, that, though, Vaughn. <laughs> and I end up jinxing the city and my neighbors yeah. go, will you stop saying that? Because it does snow here. At the moment, it's cold, but uh, it seems all right. But, you know, it's pitch black out there, too. Like, who can see whether it's snowing or not? Well, it's snowing out parts of Metro Vancouver. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, life is pretty cheap over there on the mainland, you know. I, uh, oh, here sure. on the Sounds island, uh, we have a different lifestyle. Oh, okay. So that's what you've heard, that it's cheap and over hey, here. Hey, Simi, thank you for letting me know that I made the right decision not to watch the Golden Globes last night. Yeah, boy, did you ever. Uh, I also have to tell you, Yvonne, I was out having a tea with some cousins of mine on the weekend, lovely little bakery that we went to, sat next to uh, a couple of gentlemen who were also out enjoying themselves on a Saturday afternoon, and turns out they were fans. We had a nice little chat. But you know what the one question they wanted to know was? Yeah, Okay. What's Von Palmer really like? (laughs) (laughs) People have been asking this for many years. Uh, And I said, the guy that you hear on the radio, that is Von Palmer. (laughs) I I still quote, I don't know if I can say the entire quote on the radio, but I still quote Dale Lovick, who was a member of the legislature for a long time, a cabinet minister, and one of his constituents asked him once, uh, Dale, why uh, have you agreed to do Palmer's TV show? Because he's such an a-hole. And Lovick replied, he's only an a-hole in print. <laughs> so I thought of putting that on my business cards, actually. <laughs> that, that would work. I said, no, he's absolutely lovely. I said, exactly what you hear on the radio is the kind of person that he is. So there mm. you go. You've got a lot of fans out there, Vaughn. Well, that's nice to know. It is. They're probably all people who love the village people are just tuning in for that. Yeah, they it. secretly believe you're a village people fan. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going on in politics, too, because we're marking a bit of an auspicious anniversary, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the NDP government says this month, because a year ago in January, they embarked on an experiment with decriminalization of small amounts of very dangerous, nasty drugs. And that took effect. And when they did it, it was said, you know, it was a three-year experiment, and the critics and the advocates agreed on one thing which was jurisdictions elsewhere, particularly in Canada, but also in North America, will be watching to see how it works out. I expect they were watching, and Simi, at this point, I don't know what the government's going to say, but I have to think if anybody out there was watching what happened in the first year under decriminalization in B.C., I can't imagine any other government is going to say, well, that's the way to go for sure. It's really worked out there in British Columbia. It did open a bit of a Pandora's box, didn't it? It did. And look, you know, by any measure, we'll start with the political controversy, but uh, public disorder and chaos, uh, it didn't even reduce the death toll. You know, this. I look back at the stories when this was announced, a year ago, or when we were on the verge of launching a year ago, it was six deaths a day. It's now seven. So I uh, I understand the reasons it was done. It certainly was done in part because of a profound belief that the old system didn't work. Okay, but at what point do we say this isn't working and why isn't it working? Now, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people say, well, if you put more resources into it or give the experiment a chance or all that. But the other problem the government has, and we're waiting to hear from the government on this, 
is that court decision, which basically put the government's effort to put some restrictions on open drug use, the court has suspended it. And I think that that's going to undermine, that decision stands, that's going to undermine public tolerance for decriminalization because decriminalization is one thing. Open drug use pretty much anywhere you want to do it, which is what the advocates say, uh, and, and almost what the court decision says um, I just think, you know, the New Democrats now have two problems. One is explaining why it's gone so badly for the first year. And two, how are they going to deal with the court decision? Right. And they still haven't said a whole lot about that. Yeah. yeah so our colleagues who asked last week for a government response, they, there was a one paragraph response from Mike Farnworth the day the decision came down on December 29th. So our colleagues who asked, OK, what are you guys going to do about this? You're going to appeal. You're going to change the law. You're going to what are you going to do? Uh, we were told our colleagues last week. Uh, wait for this week. There will be a response this week from the government. Uh, apparently, it'll come from Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General, uh, the Attorney General, uh, Nikki Sharma may have something to say as well. If the Premier does a media availability this week, I expect he'll be asked. But uh, they've had 10 days, Simi. Um, They're going to have to make it a good response because, as you know, uh, other political leaders, including some NDP-supporting mayors, have been saying, hey, this just won't wash with the public, right? Exactly. This will – it's bad enough. Now, uh, if this court decision stands, uh, it will not wash. I – I'm struck, Simi, by one thing looking over all the comments is the people, the advocates who are saying, who are celebrating this decision, like it, they, they, I don't think they, they, they don't, they don't yeah. see the bigger picture here. They well, yeah, and they're, and they're, look, I, I think it's fair comment that the judgment just the, the judges that I know he's the chief justice of BC and you know, Leonard Clark, Clark said he may, he may have gotten the law right. Okay, that's encouraging, but it is just so out of touch with the yeah. public mood and the public concern in British Columbia. People, people were skeptical as it is about decriminalization, but they're just, you know, they're not going to stand for the kind of disorder that comes from open drug use within the government said you can't take heroin and crack cocaine within 15 meters of a playground. Reasonable. And yet. And the court ruled that that's a violation of the rights of drug takers. I know. I, know. I, I, I just don't see if that's the way we're going to go. I think the government's going to have to abandon the experiment. Well, we'll hear what they say this week for sure. Now we have more with Von Palmer. Now we're talking about fairies, right, Von? Yes, we're talking about fairies. We're talking about. Uh, service disruptions, cancellations blamed on lack of vessels that are functioning and staff shortages and travelers warned it's not going to get better. It's going to take us a long time to fix this. Uh, If this sounds like another story about BC ferries, it isn't. It's about Washington State ferries. That state, like British Columbia, they have the largest ferry service in the United States, just as we're the largest in Canada. 
And we have similar problems, uh, mentioning it partly, Simi, because uh, here in B.C., uh, some New Democrats in particular have often pointed to Washington yes. State as the way we should go. You know, they, they have uh, time, uh, their ships are cheaper to operate, they have less staff, um, they're kept up, uh, they're built in Washington State. These are all things New Democrats like. And so they said, uh, in fact, I remember we had an NDP cabinet minister go down and ride the Washington State ferries and uh, Claire Trevenna, and she came back and said, you know, they got a lot of good ideas down there, and, and they don't lavish all these commun- uh, uh, cruise ship amenities on their travelers. These are just basic transportation back and forth. So, uh, well, uh, you read this report, there's a good story on the website of Como TV uh, on the weekend uh, in Seattle, and the Seattle Times has had coverage too. And it, the state uh, ferry service has put out a contingency plan for the next four years. It's a very depressing picture they've painted. Which is interesting to me because people often, when we talk BC ferries, will send me stories or comments that say, oh, look at Washington State. Like, look, they yeah. do a great job. And it is clear they are struggling with the same issues. Yeah. Yeah, they're struggling with the same issues. It's a different ferry service, it's much more oriented toward commuters. The, the busiest ferries in Washington State are traveled on by people who live on one island and travel into Seattle. It's it's less dependent on tourism. The runs are shorter. American regulation is different, particularly regarding crew levels, but the American regulator has been jumping in too, and they've forced them to take ships out of service because they're not well-maintained and they're very old. And they also have the same rule we do here, which is if you don't have your full crew complement, you can't sail. So you look at all that and you go, uh, particularly the recruitment of qualified staff issue is the same as in British Columbia. And 60% of their cancellations are because they didn't have the crew to sail. Um, The other one that's interesting to me is building ships in Washington State. So for a long time, that was the law. If they were going to add a ship to the fleet, they had to build it in Washington State. And they weren't being built because it was more expensive. It was hard to get time in the shipyards. And so they ended up with a fleet that was very old, poorly maintained, expensive to maintain, and short of ships. It got so bad down there that the state legislature, Simi, did something I thought we had never seen, which is they waived the requirement that the ships be built in Washington State. Oh, wow. Having gone as far as we have in British Columbia and having them built in Romania or Poland or Germany, but they have down there said, okay, you can shop around for the better rates. That will change things in the long run. But again, I'm reading this contingency report, and it says the earliest they can have a new ship in service is 2028. So... This announced schedule they've put out a reduced service on a number of their key commuter routes is going to affect things for a long time. There is one consequence for British Columbia. The service between Anacortes and Sydney, which is popular here and popular with tourists, that is not going to be restored. It was canceled during the pandemic. That is not going to be restored till 2030. They won't have a ship available for that run uh, until 2030. So 
the terminal is sitting out there on the edge of Sydney. I went by it the other day. Uh, it is not going to have people lining up to get on the ship or cars either coming either way uh, until 2030. Okay. Now, well, at least we know now it's not just us, right? We know it's there's not just problems us. elsewhere. Vaughn, thank well, you. Yeah. Bye-bye, Simi. That is Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun. If you want to weigh in, Simi at cknw.com.